Hello, I'm Carrie Ann Nadeau, founder of ODN, and we're back with Profiles in Risk. A podcast that enlightens the world of risk around you. Each episode, we explore insurance through the stories and experiences of the most influential thought leaders, product developers, and entrepreneurs modernizing the insurance industry. You can find more content at odnsure.com slash thegolfcourse or show notes on insnerds.com. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back. This is Profiles in Risk with your host, Carrie Ann Nadeau, the founder of ODN. I have a very special guest today, Miss Marvel Bernard, and I have been waiting for a month to get you on the phone. Marvel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am totally excited about this. Really excited. Oh, it's great. I just love bringing more voices into the podcast. And for those who don't know Marvel, Marvel is actually, as of January 1st, is a very important position. She is going to be the incoming president of, and I'm going to get this right, the national president of the LPGA Teaching and Club Professionals. That's right. Yep. So today on today's podcast, we're going to talk about something a little bit different than we normally do. We're going to talk about golf. So I'm, I'm expecting most of our insurance professionals who are tuned in to be like leaning in a little bit like, huh, what, what's going on today? Let me tune up, turn up the volume and get excited. There's a special reason why we're going to be talking so much about the LPGA and your work and golf in particular um, as it relates to the insurance industry. Uh, Open Data Nation or ODN for short has launched a new space on our website called odnsure.com the backslash the golf course. And we named it the golf course specifically because we're a sort of new entrant to the market, a startup company that's trying to get into a very established space that feels like there's strong relationships and close network ties, business deals happening uh, that we'd love to be a part of. Um, And that we'd love to better understand the industry, but maybe need a more inclusive and inclusionary space to share some of our opinions and bring folks like Marvel into the fold who can share strategies that she's employed uh, to also create sort of an inclusionary, special, safe space for women in particular on the golf course. So without further ado, I'm not going to take up any more airtime here. I want to kick it off to Marvel. Marvel, this sounds like a a really cool title, one. I want to be the national president of the LPGA and teaching club professionals. It's a long, we need to acronym that. We call it the TNCP for short. So TNCP, yes. Okay, well, I might might do that. The TNCP for short. Tell me a little bit about what this position entails. What what is your your duties as the incoming president? Well, I am so excited. This is a, like a dream come true, really. You know, um, I joined the LPGA in two thousand two, and um, was just in awe of everyone in the organization. Marla, you joined as a golfer. Or are you a yeah. pro golfer? Yeah, I was. Um, I was actually an amateur, and once you apply, you lose your amateur status. So, okay. uh, so I applied, um, took took some tests, playing ability tests, and then some schooling and so on. And we can talk about that later if you'd like. But cool. so I was just in awe of all of these women and of the leadership and the staff and the organization. And so to be elected national president now is so exciting. I am just. 
I'm just thrilled. I'm humbled and honored. It's really, really exciting. That's so awesome. Before you said that, I don't think it really clicked in my brain that it's an elected position. So your peers have elevated you to this role. That's correct. That must feel so meaningful. Yes, it does. And, and again, you know, like I said, it's humbling, you know, you're being entrusted with something and you're being handed an opportunity by your peers. And so I don't take that lightly at all. And we're my vice president and I, we ran as a team and we just are so, so, so grateful for the opportunity. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear more about your plans as well. So just to back up a half step, would love to know a little bit more about the institution of the LPGA. Um, Is it the same thing as the PGA just for women? Could you maybe give us a little bit of background too? On on That's a great question. A great question. And a lot of people don't really know the differences. Um, The PGA is the Professional Golf Association of America. Um, Predominantly male um, members, although um, in 1978, they allowed women to join, um, which seems pretty recent, really. Um, but so now there's, I believe there's around 800 to 1,000 women and 27,000 men, so, or out of 27,000 people in the organization. So um, really big organization. They run a lot of the big championships. They own the Ryder Cup. And so um, they're super visible in the industry. Uh, The LPGA is the Ladies Professional Golf Association, and it was founded um, by some really amazing women. It's all women, Ladies Professional Golf Association, and um, in the teaching side, of course, everyone knows about the tour. Uh, We've got, you know, past superstars like Nancy Lopez that everyone knows about, and uh, the current crop of players is just fantastic. Fantastic. We've got Lexi Thompson, who's just a one of the American rock stars, and Lydia Ko, and Mia, uh, Michelle Wee, and a bunch of those guys. So we've all heard of them. So that's the tour side. And then the teaching side is where I come in. It's a group of um, LPGA teachers who go through a pretty rigorous training education program. And once you graduate, um, now you're a golf instructor and you're qualified to to teach. And uh, I will say that between the two programs, I'm in both. I'm a PGA member and an LPGA member. And the LPGA is very, very focused on teaching. Mm -hmm. And so when you go to take, if you go somewhere and have a golf lesson, if you're in front of an LPGA instructor, she's gotten just industry leading um, instruction on how to teach you and how to, how to make your experience positive and fabulous. That's (laughs) awesome. Um, Two things that inspired in my mind. Um, My sister is an artist and she has this t-shirt that says name five female artists. And so I I really appreciate you calling out by name so that we can sort of celebritize some of these women who, um, if you don't watch the golf channel or you're not deeply plugged into uh, golf, maybe it'd be hard to name five women golfers. I feel like that might be changing too. Do you feel like? Yes. I absolutely do. And that's why this is a very exciting time in, in our lives to be female, period, let alone in sport. And, and in the LPGA, it's just we are right at the peak of, of um, the most attention being paid, the most uh, inclusion, uh, the most welcoming time in history. And I just want to make sure that we keep that ball rolling always moving forward because it's an, a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. So as part of your teaching position, then you're not only sort of instructing those, but trying to encourage more people to come out to the golf course that may never have swung a golf club before. 
Absolutely. And that's my, you know, secret little plan is I, I try to hook them right away. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> Not to brag, but I just recently won the PGA's National Player Development Award for that. Break right away, Marvel. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> so it's for things like that. I, I create programs that entice them to come. And, you know, in the old days, it was um, clinic at three o'clock, mm-hmm. $20. You know, and so I do things like nine and wine or wine, women and wedges, or mm. is your driver driving you to drink? And then we go <laughs> on and talk afterward, you know, catchy little things that make people, uh, they know it's going to be fun before they even come in the door. And then they do have fun and pretty quick they're hooked. And so uh, we started, I started with a group of eight beginners probably six years ago or seven years ago. And now I have over almost 600 now on the mailing list for this group to come out and play golf. And uh, they've, they've set up their own programs at other courses. So my little programs have created uh, growth really um, in our community and all over. So it's fun. It's, I just, just as I'm talking about it, I get all excited, you know, about all the new things we can do and the things we are doing. So. Yeah. And the good ideas that'll come, uh, on wine and wedges night. That sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, that's so awesome. I, I mean, it strikes me that a little bit of effort at marketing to your audience goes a long way to make people feel included, welcome, excited, interested, and it might just be switching up the name sometimes. Yeah, you know, and that's just it. It's like, what are you, what are you saying to your, to your audience? What message mm-hmm. are you sending? And, you know, in the golf industry, so often you'll see an advertisement for a golf course that'll have a picture of, of a sand bunker and a lake. And so to a golfer, you think, oh my gosh, I don't want to go on the bunker or the lake. And then there's <laughs> no pictures of people. So hmm. The whole point of golf is fun. It's, uh, it's very much about socialization, socializing with mm-hmm. friends. And so our advertising doesn't match that. You know, mm-hmm. I think about Apple, how well they do with their marketing. They market the why and not the what. And mm-hmm. so that's what I try to do too. That's awesome. Let's touch on that why. I think there's a lot of reasons you can golf. I'm a, a nice walkout on a pleasantly manicured lawn is one of them. But what are some of the reasons why people come out uh, to your events? Well, first of all, it's so much fun. Golf is, I just got an email just before this podcast and one of my students who's working really hard at his game and it was such an exciting email. He was telling me he, at first it didn't go well and then all of a sudden it all clicked and how exciting and, and to me, that's my why. I love, I love exciting people like that. I love giving them tools to go out and be successful at what they're doing. But for him, I think it's just the fun and it's the um, personal accomplishment. And for a lot of people, it's about their friends. They, mm-hmm. they, go, they have a group maybe that they've been golfing with for several years and they go have breakfast and they play golf and it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people that travel with golf. And, you know, I just think it's, it's so healthy. You're outside. Um, you know, we are in a retirement community and I think people down here are healthier than most because they are so in tune with outdoor activities, getting out of the house. And I think that's just really, really important. But the bottom line is it's a blast. Golf is really fun. (laughs) Well, how did, I mean, so how did, my question is, how did you uh, get excited about golf to begin with? Was this a lifelong passion? Like I'm 32 years old. I've 
I've been to a driving range to like whack a couple balls, maybe twice. Can I start golfing? Yes, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about me that's ironic. I did not grow up golfing at all. It wasn't on the radar. We had, um, there was a local, there were local golf courses, but I thought, I'm a I'm ashamed to say this. I thought golf was just stupid. I thought it was for people who couldn't play real sports. We won't put that as the title of this podcast, (laughs) but I love it. I said that in my award, uh, in the award video, you know, and you could hear people laughing nervously in the audience, but it didn't didn't cross my radar. And and that's another thing that's neat right now is there are so many programs to, to introduce kids to golf. And that wasn't part of my, uh, it wasn't on the radar back then. So um, we started, my husband and I, he had retired from, uh, being an Alaska state trooper and his dream was to live on a boat. And so we began boat life. And when you live on a boat in Alaska, you want to be in Arizona in the wintertime. So that's how we started coming to Arizona. And, uh, well, I don't know how many people can empathize with that story. Right? There's a whole like <laughs> couple drinks to unpack that story, Marla. That sounds like you've lived quite a life. Yes, we've had a really interesting life, very fun life. But so it found you in Arizona, though, on a golf course. Oh, exactly. So he, my husband, thought, oh, it would be fun to try golf. And again, I'm thinking, eh, all right, well, whatever. I wasn't interested really. But we went to um, this female instructor named Jane Chanick, who was PGA member, and I was hooked from the very first lesson. And I just remember there was a lot of laughing. And when you take up golf for the first time, it's funny, really. (laughs) Um, But she made it so fun. And I was just absolutely crazed over it. And so from then on, I I just practiced and practiced and played and played and and, um, achieved pretty quickly. I joined, uh, tried out for the LPGA first and um, passed my playing test there and PGA next and passed the test there and now I are one, so. <laughs> I are, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, you, you kind of roll that into such a short time frame, but it probably took a lot of work, effort, um, focus, passion, commitment. Um, did you start off, do you golf by yourself? Like, how do you practice so much? You know, I practiced by myself a lot. I took lessons, and she was very generous with me. She she took me uh, playing on playing events, and so I was really immersed in it. But, mm-hmm. you know, practice to me was not a grind. It was fun. I couldn't wait to get over there. My husband and I, we would arrive in Arizona from Alaska, and I'd be like, um, I have to go practice. And he'd Tea say, time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. And I would often uh, walk on by myself. And this was funny. This was a funny thing about men and women. I would go over to the course and I would say, you know, I don't have a group, but I'd like to just join a group. So they would put me typically with men. And mm-hmm. these men would be like, really? Oh, woman. And then I was getting pretty good by now. And so they, it wasn't that I beat them or wanted to beat them. I wanted to play my game and I earned their respect, you know, mm-hmm. by being out there. And so I think it's, I think you can tie that right into, to now where women are joining, women are being more involved. And once they see that we fit right in, everything's fine. I don't know where that ever started but it's really interesting because to this point I feel like we've talked you know just um, in the frame of the questions that I've been asking and in the frame of your responses about maybe it being a sort of exclusionary space because women don't feel themselves 
comfortable or see themselves in that position to go out and have the will to try something that's outside of their comfort zone or, or join a group of men um, when they may or may not be as skilled athletically, right? Um, but I think there's a whole other frame that you're pointing out here, which is that the space can also be exclusive because of you know, people's direct actions towards even just you mentioned marketing materials that are not designed for women or right. groups teeing off that it can feel uncomfortable or explicitly yeah. sort of limiting women from clubhouses. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about like, how did you get through that phase for yourself? I'm sure there's a lot of women who are in male dominated industry who'd love to know, like, how do you build up that sort of confidence and, and what are sort of some strategies that they might be able to employ to, to, to make it themselves? You know, not only on the golf course when I started, but then in the industry that I've chosen is very, very male-dominated and, and oriented. Um, so I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's bravery or what. I just felt that I belonged there too. And um, it just never occurred to me really to not um, join in. I felt it. I felt it sometimes. But in a way, I just felt like that was sort of funny. You know, how, why wouldn't they invite me to come in? And, and however, I think it takes role models or, or leaders, um, again, that sounds a little self-serving, but people who, who maybe kick the door open for everyone else. And then we can, we can join in and we can play. And now, mind you, by the time I took up golf, Nancy Lopez, all the, you know, big names had had done had kicked down the doors mm-hmm. so that we could walk in um so it wasn't like i'm the first one that ever did this but um i i did feel like i deserved to be there i had a right to be there and that's what i try to create for my women at the golf course now that there's no question that they belong here they are a tremendous force economically for our golf course mm-hmm. and everybody sees that now you know so i think it, it does take a few um well-placed women who are willing to just elbow their way in mm-hmm. and say, we're here. Come on yeah. in. Everybody. You know? So yeah, that's a great question. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I, I have a strategy where I walk into a room as if everyone in the room has been waiting for me to arrive. Oh, I love that. It feels a little pompous, but it builds your energy to attract other people to yes. it, it. Instead of shirking from conversations, it makes you sort of open up and be ready to receive people who probably don't have the same predisposition that you shouldn't be in the room in their minds when you walk yeah. in. It's all in your own head sometimes. I think so too. I do think there's a, I think there's some of that. I believe that there's some real barriers that have been put up, but I think when you come and sit down in, in a space and you're expected, you expect yourself to be there. I think people just say, Oh yeah, of course. You know, I've had that experience mm-hmm. in where originally, and at first I felt out of place and an outsider. And once I, like, I always call it elbowed my way to the front oh my gosh, these guys are great. There's no question that I'm there and I belong in there. That's not even an issue. It's not mm-hmm. a thing at all. But it was, it was in my head when I first mm-hmm. came to the door. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thank my mother, but I also sort of despise the way she brought me up in that 
she has same same idea. Like, there's no reason why you should not think that you're just as qualified or just as capable of doing anything that a, a guy was doing, right? I was a math nerd as a kid, so we had a lot of those conversations about being the only girl in mathletes and how, you know, as a young kid, that can be a little confronting. Um, but so I, I love that she gave me that sort of um, intentional unawareness that I was different. I just... It never crossed my mind. But at the same time, I think I was unprepared to deal with patriarchy when it smacked mm. me in the face. Yeah. Like when it happened, I was like, what is this? Why yeah. is this? How do I deal with it? I felt unprepared with like almost zero strategies. And I, I see other women who are very bold, very confident in their response. And I just felt unprepared. You know, you that's know excellent point too. Um, I had a guy I was working with, the first step when I... Uh, became a professional, I started working in the pro shop and there was this pretty elderly guy who'd worked in there forever. And uh, he, I was telling him about walking on with a group of guys and the guys are like, Oh no. And, and cause I'm, I'm thinking he's, you know, what? That's terrible. And he said, yeah, no, I don't want to play with women either. And I'm going, but you're my buddy. <laughs> Grandpa telling you, you're not welcome here in the living room or something. And, I was unprepared too. It was so, I didn't know what to say and I didn't say anything. So it's not yeah. that I'm carrying the torch, but I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know that I have a good strategy for that yet. And the sort of Sheryl Sandberg approach is just lean in. It's like, yeah, but I, I was put back on my heels because I was so surprised that that would happen. And it yeah. happens in so many different ways. Like um, you mentioned a golf course, but like women's salaries, right? If you find out someone in your job is getting paid more than you are, you're like, wait, that's a thing. Like yeah. I do the same work. You're sort of indignant in that moment. Um, how did this happen to me? But um, not to get too far down that rabbit hole. I think the space you are building is much more inclusive of both women and men uh, coming together and finding safe spaces sort of on their own. Um, I'm wondering, can you share how you reach more audiences? How do you find people that before this podcast maybe didn't know or didn't feel like golf might be for them? You know, that's a, that's a good question too. I, you know, a lot of what I do is word of mouth. I start with this little group and then mm -hmm. uh, they're telling their friends and off it goes. But um, I do try to be a little more creative with that. I have, uh, I've invited um, women who were beginners in my original class to help me with classes. Mm -hmm. So what happens there is they have ownership of the success of the program. So they run around and recruit for me. They want their friends and they want their church members to come um, there's a, uh, I think it's a nationwide thing called Next Door, and it's a kind of an email program for neighborhoods here in Green Valley, Next Door Green Valley. And so I've started advertising on that space too. And for my programs, I'm getting a lot of people from that. Um, gosh, I, you know, I go to everything I can go to training wise. I get a lot of referrals from other professionals who have students maybe in the area or know someone or their mom lives here. And, and then it just, it just goes and goes, you know, I think the word of mouth is obviously what we all hope for, you know, it's free. So <laughs> it's but, free. Yeah. And it's probably the most genuine too. I liked your example of how you sort of build almost field warriors to go out and sort of proselytize about 
how much fun it was for them in a very authentic way. That's probably something that folks looking to create more diverse groups, more inclusive programming in their own offices, right? You may have a a team building event where only guys show up or how do you bring more women into a boardroom or um, a conversation to get a variety of different perspectives before going out to market with a new product? Um, more product targeted towards women without talking about two women first, right? That happens. So. Oh my gosh, that's the big one. You know, if, and that's how my whole thing got started. I was at a PGA meeting and there were probably three women. And of course, we're all sitting next to each other, you know, and a and hundred men from across the room. <laughs> there she is. Let's sit together. And so uh, the men were discussing, one of the big topics was how do we get more women involved in golf? How do we get more women out playing and they never asked us yeah. you know yeah. I'm in the back going I know on, you know and they never did and so I'm driving home and I was actually mad about that and I thought I'm going to do something big in my market and then that's what I did so you know sometimes I think you can't wait although I know in the case of a board you know you've, you've got to be placed on the board first but I mean gosh that's what's so ironic to me is there's conversation about inclusion and diversity, but how do you actually do it? Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I love this plan of sort of giving deputizing tasks and then having that person take ownership because you probably also see cream rise to the top, right? People that are really good at it, put more effort, put more enthusiasm, get better results. Um, than folks that are kind of like wishy-washy and it's, yeah. it might be a great way to promote folks or to identify talent. But I think in every industry, every business, when you have people advocating for you, you know, like you said, that's very authentic. And the, these two ladies that, and I've brought on more now, um, they, they're telling the best story. They're telling the real story of what's happening from their perspective as new golfers who started with me. And now, my gosh, the world has opened up for them. Mm -hmm. But who better to tell that story than them? Yeah. It's a great thing we can take over to the work world. I think one of the um, big benefits that we talked about uh, is relationship building on a golf course. Mm -hmm. So getting to know more people and having informal conversations, sort of the golf course uh, anecdotally is known as a place where business deals get done in the insurance industry. So uh, I would love for you to talk about its role as not only maybe a healthy space or an inclusive space, but as a sort of networking space. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, it's traditionally kind of been that known as that um, for men. Um, but I see, I see that as almost the best thing about it is the relationships that form of all these groups. I can't even tell you how many friendships I've seen form that these guys are friends for life. They travel mm -hmm. together, these women, their, their husbands have become friends. Uh, it's this huge network of people. And, you know, I think about this in terms of business type relationships. Golf is, golf is the great equalizer. You know, golf doesn't care if you're the CEO or who you are, because you can still whiff a ball and not hit it and everybody laughs. And so <laughs> everybody's in the same boat on the golf course. And I think that's what makes it such a great space for networking is it's just, you're all there. You're all in the same situation, you know, unless somebody's practiced a lot and played a lot. And, and even then, you're still all out there in the outdoors. So I think it's a fantastic place for that. Mm -hmm. And also not only you and I talked about this before that, 
not only networking to, to make business deals, but networking within your organization and talk about team building. You know, there's no better place. I don't think. Yeah. I I'm curious on that because I think, um, as a, a new startup, right, or a company coming into a space trying to sell, right, there's an eagerness to make the sale, to make the pitch, to network for a purpose, to get to the sale or your end goal, whatever it may be. And I think, you know, what I'm realizing as a young entrepreneur is it's actually more about relationship building. Yeah. It's about the sort of informal conversations that help us sort of build a bond with mm-hmm. one another. Yes. And I worry that, you know, if a space like the golf course remains sort of a male dominated male only space and the work of Marvel doesn't see the success, you know, that um, those sort of informal relationships, there's fewer spaces or not very many spaces to have those informal sort of interpersonal relationships outside of the office um, where you don't have to talk about business. You could just talk about the weather and your vacation and your kids and your dog and, enjoy the great outdoors. Um, right. You know what, uh, what is a, a person in our, it, it just as you're talking, it made me think of this. He's a, uh, he's a financial advisor and he's just hilarious. He's a great guy and so funny. I've known him for quite a while, but he sets up these, these gatherings where I teach the clinic. I'll teach for a half hour or an hour. And then they go inside and into the cantina and have a drink. And he, he introduces his programs and some of his products and so on. And Oh my gosh, he's done so well with that. So to me, that's what I think could happen is, is businesses that, um, you know, want to form those relationships that that's how you start. You just either, either your clientele or get with a golf professional that has a nice clientele and just start doing some group things like that. Yeah. It's, just, it's fun. It's a great way to talk about kicking down the door. You know? <laughs> right. Right. And the, that personal bond and that personal relationship growing in an informal space, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel the pressure of sort of a formal networking event or a conference where you have five seconds to exchange business cards. It, it feels like a, and I'm going to steal the way you've described it to me before as sort of safe space. Mm-hmm. Would you describe it that way? Yes, definitely. And don't you think, I mean, just this morning, and I'm sure you, every time you get on the computer, there's ads and there's, you know, you're being sold to constantly. And mm-hmm. I am personally very sensitive to that. I hate it, frankly. Mm-hmm. So if I have an opportunity to learn about something in a place where I don't feel that it's all about that. Mm-hmm. It's way more fun. And then, you know, I mean, you're, you're getting two things for the price of one, really. You're, you're networking. I think about conferences. You know, now this um, big entity is formed or grown called Topgolf. And Topgolf is sort of like bowling. And everybody's going to Topgolf with their business groups because it's so much fun. And here we go. So it's doing great things for the industry. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, I want to know more about sort of what you've got planned for 2019 because you're coming in as the president. So you'll have uh, some position of authority to institute new programs, to expand the ones that are working, to advise folks on, on and share your learnings with others. And so I'm curious to know what you've got coming up 
coming down the pike that you're most excited about? Oh boy. Well, the, the really good news is there are a couple things already in place and we're just starting to really get ready to expand on them. And one is called invite her. Uh, the hashtag is invite her and it's a, it's an initiative that the LPGA, the PGA, USGA, all the GAs are working on right now. Um, because they do understand the importance of having women um, involved, women playing, women in leadership, and so on. So invite her. I'm going to run a, a small one at my own golf course in early January. Whoops. Sorry, there's some sort of background noise. I don't know if my cat missed you hear my neighbor's dog barking its head off. I could, but it's okay. It, oh. You barely. Right. I could hear like a ticking, like something was rubbing on my mic. Yeah, so. Okay, sorry. So no, uh, no let's start with Invite Her, and you're launching something in January. Yes, so the Invite Her program is going to, we're doing a big kickoff at the PGA show, and I'll be on the panel with Susie Whaley, who's the first female president of the PGA, which is huge. You know, that's a huge, huge bit of news for women in the golf industry. But so we'll be on a panel, we'll be discussing the uh, concept, which is simply that invite, invite a friend, bring, bring her to the golf course. And it doesn't mean women bringing women, it can be a husband inviting his wife to come. Um, and sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes they don't want that. But anyway, so it's a, that's a big initiative getting ready to roll out in the golf industry. So we're very excited about that. If we all follow in your footsteps, we're going to become better than our husbands and our husbands are going to want to play with us because there you go. Exactly. Each time. But I think of couples who the husbands are so excited when the wife starts playing because, um, or partners that the other partner gets, starts to play and now it's something they can do together, and it's a lifetime sport. So within the industry, initiatives like Invite Her are coming. Um, in my own business, I've got all kinds of ideas. I'm running a program. It's an on-course learning program. I think you do better when you're out there playing and learning. Um, as national president, oh, my gosh. I mean, we are excited because there's another program that started last year in the LPGA is Golf 101, which is what it says it is. But I think that our members um, within our organization, I think, I think that needs marketed to ourselves better. I think that we need to market the why and not the what. I think the way we market even within uh, to our own members has been um, can be better. So that's one thing I've developed. I've actually created a media and marketing committee. We've never had one before. And they're going to be looking at just those kinds of things. And I've got four absolute fantastic marketers they're just I mean you go to any of their websites and you go whoa you know this is how to do it so I've got those four working together and so we're very excited about that and how to tell the LPGA teacher story to the industry better so that's a big 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 thing for me I love it I think it's just something and another takeaway for folks watching who are trying to make more diverse groups is a focus and attention about how you talk to people you want to include so that's right vocabulary titling things right marketing right. things to those people you'll note uh, actually ODN's website my company's website we made an intentional choice to put women of authority women who are business women as the feature images on our website mm -hmm. Pretty much 90% of any image on our website is a woman because when I walk into executive boardrooms, I want people to believe that I am the CEO. 
I don't want them to believe that I'm just a marketing and advertising specialist or salesman coming in. I want them to believe that that women can and should be in this space. So I think That's you're great. totally thoughtful and totally aligned on that front on just making it more uh, amenable and accessible, but then also setting the standard that it's totally normal. Well, and you know, you've touched on something extremely important. I think about um, Disneyland, for example, Disney, they're master marketers, just fantastic. Every time you see an ad or a, a, even a picture, you can picture yourself there. You know, you can just see yourself with your little daughter and she's <laughs> princess, whoever, and you can see yourself on the ride and waves are splashing and it's, you know, Disney just makes you see yourself in that picture. So that's mm -hmm. what you've done by having a picture of women. They say, they say I, I can see myself there. That's me. And I would share that same sentiment with the programs that you're running to say like, yeah, you know, I do need a little bit of exercise. I want to socialize with my friends and a glass of wine would be nice at the end, I think. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And the health benefits of it, you know, because that's a, that's a thing nowadays. People are much more cognizant of that. And, you know, when you walk a golf course, if you are lucky to be at a golf course that you can walk, it's over 10,000 steps and you're having fun, and there's wine after. So what is not to like about that? Got me hook, line, and sinker. Uh, you are a master marketer, Marvel. You just told me you were going to market to me, and then you let me square the nail on the head. Um, fantastic. Well, Marvel, my last question for you today, which I think will hopefully leave the group with great inspiration for what's to come in 2019, um, is if you're infinitely successful as president of the LPGA what does the future look like tell us what what is the penultimate dream for Marvel boy that's a that's another good question you're so good at this um, you know it's it's to stay involved it's to keep motivating and to keep to stay motivated myself and to this is such an opportunity for me to meet women who are not necessarily in the golf world like you and I have been connected by another amazing woman through golf but now doors open and we start um, you start meeting other people you start just boy the ideas just start flowing about how you can make all of our industries all of our businesses successful mm -hmm. oh, I start talking about this. Stuff. Well, I think, you know, what would be cool and for insurance carriers who want to underwrite some cool work for Marvel would be to get startup companies as like a mixer, right? Like get startup companies and their CEOs out golfing with and pair them with CEOs of major insurance carriers or major financial institutions, right? Like nobody golfed before, let's just say. Like that would be a lot of fun and funny and just informal ways to break the ice between somebody who doesn't feel comfortable in the space and somebody who owns the space. So I think well, it's and then within, within our organization, we've got so many amazing women. I mean, there's a bunch of me out there, lots and lots of me's out there. And it'd be so nice. My dream is at the end of my three year term, my first term is to have connections made out there like this. So this can just grow, grow, grow. It's not just centered in Green Valley, Arizona. It's everywhere. That's my dream. Well, you, <laughs> I don't think that could, that phone call could be better timed. Uh, the, the cake has baked and it's time to take it out of the oven. Um, 
Marvel, it's really been a pleasure uh, to get to know you personally. And although we have yet to share time on the golf course, I'll, I'll uh, definitely whiff a couple balls next time <laughs> I'm out in Arizona. Um, it was a pleasure. And for more information, we'll post some links to how to participate and where to go for more uh, information about some of Marvel's programs that she uh, mentioned on the show today. I love the hashtag invite her and golf 101 or things to look out for. Um, and we wish you Marvel, all of the success as a president in this position. Um, and excited to, to, yeah, hit the links soon. So thank, thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. So again, this has been, uh, Carrie Ann Nadeau, CEO and founder of ODN on the latest episode of Profiles and Risk. We'll see you next time.